Hello and welcome to Gaming the Podcast. I am John Robertson, joined as ever by Stace Harmon, and this is the final episode in our Metal Gear Solid trilogy of podcasts. This time out we're focused on Metal Gear Solid 2's opening tanker sequence in celebration of the game turning 20 on the 13th of November. Now, a little bit of housekeeping before we begin. I do want to point out that you can watch all of our episodes on YouTube. This episode, for example, features gameplay footage of the opening tanker sequence that we're going to be talking about. And conversely, if you are already watching on YouTube, then you can visit IndieByDesign.net, that's IndieByDesign.net, where you can find links to subscribe to us as a podcast through whichever podcast platform you use. Now, Stace, I remember in the build-up to Metal Gear Solid 2, I would say... I would say, I mean, you could certainly argue that it was the most highly anticipated video game of all time uh, in the run-up to its release. So do you remember how you felt about it at the time? Did it live up to that hype? And now when you look back on it, um, with you know all of these many years that we've had to kind of let the game sit and take its place among, among the great entries on the video game medium, do you think the game still lives up to that hype now does it does it do what it says on the tin does it does it live up to the uh well the short answer is yes i think in both cases i remember i was one of those very much anticipating mgs2's release i bought or i borrowed from somebody zone of enders because it had the uh, metal gear solid 2 demo disc as part of that package which is a piece of, um, well, some would say cynical, some would say brilliant marketing um, in order to buy a different game, in order to get uh, the demo for a game that you really want. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, I was I was blown away by it, I think, like most people were. And at the time, I was blown away by it because certainly that the opening tanker sequence um, that was playable in the demo, and obviously that's what kicks off the the, the game proper, is a, I think, almost perfect representation of what you would want a sequel to Metal Gear Solid to be. And it was so incredibly bombastic. And uh, it had the, you know, Harry Gregson Williams uh, soundtrack. It had the whole, like the opening sequence, the opening credit sequence was, I think, almost 15 minutes in length before you actually got to do anything. Setting up this real, like, uh, life or death situation aboard this tanker. And... So it was everything that at the time a young, what was I then, uh, 21, wanted from this game and, and, and got. And I think it lives up to that, lives up to the hype as a sequel now, even more so in some respects because of what the game has gone on to be and how important it's, it's gone on to be historically. And I think a lot of the events that happen later in the game and provide context to that opening early tanker sequence and they it very much is endeavoring to be what everybody wanted it to be it's very much endeavoring to be the perfect sequel uh which makes the kind of rug pull that happens later on all the more um well impactful effective galling for some mm. people uh so yeah it was it was a thing that you know it was a it was a work of art and also like every it it ticked every box for that kind of visceral, exciting sequel that you you sort of wanted it to be, mm. and, and it turned out to be. So yeah, my feelings at the time were probably what they are now. I, I think I was more swept up at the time with that opening tanker sequence than I am now going back and playing it. Now I can appreciate a bit more of the entire package, um, and the, the the opening tanker sequence as a as a 
as a play on your expectations. At the time, I just thought it was amazing and awesome and, you know, turn the music up really loud and show friends when they come around. And it was that kind of like, yeah, it, it lived up to the hype yeah. in that sense. Um, but yeah, that was my reading of it at the time. It was like the perfect sequel opening. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. And that hasn't, that hasn't really changed. I just have a, a, a deeper understanding and a deeper appreciation for what the whole thing yeah, is. Yeah, I, I um, don't know if at the time I realised how special it was, really. Because I, I I think playing it now, recently, uh, for this, for, to talk about this, I, I, I don't know. I, 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 I kind of, how special I see it now, I don't remember necessarily having those feelings back then. And that's not necessarily because I thought it was bad, because I remember play, playing the whole thing and loving it but i don't remember having the same sort of reaction to the second one as i had to the first one but now when i go back and play this right. like the tanker sequence for example or for um to talk about this um it like the kind of feelings are just sort of like how brilliant the whole sequence is i don't remember thinking at the time that that was uh it was as good as i mm. feel that it is now and i don't know it might be because there's so many more things to do or that can be done to you or that you've got to work with um like gameplay elements or things that things that can impact snake or mm. things that snake can do um so maybe it was that bit more complex and i struggled but i, I don't know i'm just guessing because i can't actually remember um exactly but i do think I think it certainly lives up to like looking back on it uh in the context of having played it now it certainly lives up to any hype that it had like it's yeah. so it's almost like it's almost a perfect textbook sequel in a way like the tanker sequence not the rest of the game <laughs> but um but the tanker mm. sequence because mm. it's got um it's got that same simple setup that the first one had and it, it just sort of mirrors it right like it's here's here's a guy by himself yeah. goes in uh to this super dangerous situation in an isolated military base essentially uh even though it's a moving ship it's still it's, you know it's still it's just a it's a it's a moving it's a moving base you pay yeah it's isolated for different for the the, the logistics of that isolation are slightly different but the yeah the, yeah the like the feeling is, is quite same, similar right? and the elements as well you're battling yeah and, and like your yeah. The same superhero in comparison to the guards that you're going up against you're you're this superhuman um individual um mm. well yeah you leap off a bridge right At the, to get yeah. on the tanker in the first place you just casually leap off a bridge yeah you know, that's like um so so yeah and, and it's got all of like the usual sort of upgrades to a sequel that you'd expect like it looks way better i do remember it looking just like so much better than anything else on the ps2 as well just like light yeah. years ahead yeah uh both artistically and yeah. technically um like you know not just not just the actual quality of the visuals as you know polygons and whatever but just artistically like mm. you go outside and it's raining and all the lights are like really stark and the shadows are really severe and then you go inside and it's lit in a way where you know it's much more similar to the inside of shadow moses but on sort of like tight 
tight corridors. I mean, talk about the tight corridors in a, in a minute, because I think that they changed the gameplay quite mm. drastically from how Shadow Moses is. Even though you've got like similar tools to use and Snake can do similar things, the tight corridors do make the game, the tanker sequence, feel very different to some of the feelings that you get in the first game. Um, uh, yeah. I think, but yeah, I think in terms of see, it's almost it's almost it's it's the benchmark almost for like a not a cookie cutter, but like a, a what fans would expect a sequel to look like, like Metal Gear Solid Two, the tanker sequence yeah. is so on point for that. Yeah, and that's I think probably the bit that I've come to appreciate more over time and how deliberate that is and within the context of the whole game. And that's the thing that I didn't really appreciate at the, at the time. I, I thought it was amazing. I played it over and over and over again. And the fact that you could play it as like a standalone sort of separate bit of the game. And for a large part of my memories of what Metal Gear Solid 2 are, before I went back to, to look at it again for this, were that tanker sequence. I think in the same way that a large part of a lot of people's memories of what the matrix is is the first film you know there's that joke of like oh you know there's only really one matrix film and that's because that's the one that's very neatly packaged and it 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 ticks every box for like even though people didn't really know what the what to expect from the matrix at the time it came out but it ticks the boxes of like how to how to please an audience and the peaks and troughs and the pacing of the story and everything else and then the sequels are far more convoluted and more dense and not as satisfying and everything isn't tied up with a bow and you know it suffers from certain bits and pieces but a lot of what the matrix sequels suffer from is that it's they're just not the original matrix and similarly i th- i felt at the time that a lot of what the rest of metal gear solid 2 suffered from was that it wasn't the tanker sequence and obviously primarily because you don't play as snake spoilers for anybody who hasn't played this 20 year old game at this point um and so there was sort of a backlash to that, as is now kind of infamous. Um, but the, I think, interestingly for me, a lot of my memories of the tanker sequence kind of supplanted a lot of what I remembered the original Metal Gear Solid to be before I went back and played that again for a recent episode that we did, if that makes sense. So when I think back on it, you know, I had to be reminded that, oh, yeah, in Metal Gear 1, you can do first person mode, but you can't shoot. You don't, that's not how you shoot your gun. You just use it as a, as a visual reference thing to check out your surroundings. And even then it's not, you know, it's not particularly great at doing that. So there was definitely some stuff that I I'd sort of had in my head as to be, you know, Metal Gear Solid 2 is kind of how I, almost how I remembered Metal Gear Solid 1 to be. And you have that with like, particularly with graphics, you know, you think, oh, it's, this looked like this. And then you go back and look at it, you know, like, oh, no, it didn't look like that at all. That looks awful. But some elements of gameplay actually made that kind of transition for me. And so in some, and that's, this is a sort of a, a build up to say that in a lot of ways, the Metal Gear Solid, well, the Metal Gear series in general has been defined by that opening tanker sequence for kind of as an aspirational thing for what Metal Gear could be or is at its purest but that's quite like when i go back and look at it now i sort of understand that that's quite a simplistic view of it that i i have had quite a simplistic view of it because it's it taken out of context it's that but when you put it into the context of what happens in the rest of the game and what's happened in either side of it in games either side of it 
it becomes a, a different thing. And I think that's an interesting, that's an interesting place for it to sit. And, and um, undoubtedly it's a fantastic piece of video game, a fantastic example of like a slice of video gaming, but it's also, you know, it holds a much bigger, a much bigger importance um, in the wider context of video games, rather than just, it feels amazing to play. It does absolutely. And there's loads of stuff that did improve on the original Metal Gear but there's also a load of like, it has a historical importance, well, I guess, um, and an importance to like Kojima's career as you know, they're, they're, it has a, a, an importance outside of just it feels awesome. Yeah, I, I guess play. the open tank sequence, um, yeah, in 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 the terms of what you were saying, it kind of feels like given that it takes place within a game that also includes or was the, or the first one really to start for where Kojima really started very aggressively subverting player expectations at every, every and holding a mirror mm-hmm. up to the player and saying, you know, what are you doing here? What's your role in this, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the fact that a single game houses both arguably the most metal gear, the most condensed sequence um, of metal gear solidy, mm. just pure gameplay and then also houses some of the most crazy stuff narratively and thematically that this that the that the series has ever done. It does sort of that stark juxtaposition being right next to each other does does work mm. to enhance or make well not enhance necessarily, but make more obvious um <clears throat> the differences or how how the sort of series in a way suffers from sort of you know, it's a bit bipolar in that regard. And I think a lot of fans, mm. I wonder if that's the reason why Metal Gear Solid 2 is considered by some people to be a huge disappointment after Metal Gear Solid 1, because the opening tanker sequence mm. promises a straight up direct um, gameplay sequel. And then it morphs into this other into this other beast completely i wonder if if the games were yeah, released I, split in half and possibly. like if the tanker sequence was extended yeah. and then the, then the second bit of the game which is the longest bit the raiden stuff um was released as another thing then actually that would be more palatable to a lot of people i think very possibly it would but i i think there is a confidence in there's a confidence i think from Kojima and his team in allowing that first tanker sequence to exist kind of unadulterated. It's very clear from the rest of the game that he had ideas as to what was going to be set up. And it's very clear from the rest of the game that it needed that kind of pure sequel experience for that opening hour or so. But there's also a there's also, a, I feel like it's a confidence. Maybe confidence isn't the right word, but that's kind of how I'm viewing it, that there's a confidence in saying we have lots of ideas and we have lots of plans for what we're going to do with this game and what we're going to show you later on. But for this hour to two hours, we're going to just sit back and chill and let you indulge in this this thing that is kind of, in all likelihood, exactly what you wanted it to be. And then once you've done that, we're going to take it to other places that you're probably not going to like so much. And that's, I think it makes that all the more impactful to allow that. There wasn't like a, as far as I'm aware, maybe there's some like, I don't know, some like meta narrative stuff going on in the beginning that I just either misremember or don't, haven't unearthed in doing research for this podcast. But there wasn't like 
the clues to the to what was to come um in that opening sequence if you if you play that without knowing anything else about the rest of the game you play it thinking you would i think rightfully believe that that's what the whole game's going to be that it's going to be this thing and there's a that there was no need to like kojima wasn't trying to sort of push to the front and and just set up things and say oh okay you know nudge nudge wink wink here's all this other stuff that i'm planning to do um just to like forewarn you there was no like easy there was no like gentle transition from one thing into the next it was just here's all this cool stuff that i know you want to do and then we're going to take all that away from you and and almost i mean i don't know about insult you but we're all, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make you question why yeah, it was you're going to question that and you're going to have to play a question all the rest of it. with the character and therefore the act of playing itself so i think yeah look at playing through again recently and then sort of thinking about how it i think that there are some clues to what was coming i don't think he rammed it down your throat and made it like these are direct direct links to what was coming but there are some some of the philosophical some of like the ideas around uh like social media like information era style elements that he critiqued and criticized in the second part of the game i think are present and correct here mm. it, to, to uh in in a small way but but um but we can talk about those but first i think that one of the most powerful elements of this tankers is that like in in setting up the second bit of the game like it's it's essential to have a first bit of the game like this where you play as in now in, in the benefit of hindsight it's, it's essential to have a part of the game like this mm. where you play a snake first who's a superhero he's amazing you feel powerful he's a better version of the snake that you had in the first game he can now yeah. shoot while looking yeah. through his own eyes which apparently he couldn't do in the first one <laughs> Um, but, um, yeah, revolutionary yeah and, 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 yeah, and, and the game ma- makes you do more things to make you feel more like a superhero a lot in in comparison to the first game like the tight corridors that i mentioned before that forces you to have to engage guards much more often rather than avoid them because they're, they're, they're patrol patterns yeah. there are some elements where you just yeah. have to you can't avoid them you have to go through them so you have to use your weapons that makes you feel more badass like that makes you feel more of like the sort of american movie john mclean style mm-hmm. character um so you feel incredible and yet at the end you fail um you fail on your mission metal gear ray gets taken by ocelot and you're just left there stranded in the river um new york all around you and then you go on to play as raiden who is nowhere near as powerful as steak so you feel vulnerable, mm. but you feel even more vulnerable because it's like, well, how the hell am I going to win with this vulnerable, crappy dude when I couldn't win as the superhero? So as a, it, it's like yeah. one of the best instances. So like games do a thing, a similar thing to that a lot, where it's like, oh, you, you have all the power, and then they take it away, like for ten minutes, and then they take it away from you. Yeah. But yeah. Kojima's used that into like actually build a whole narrative the starting narrative around that and have you properly feel as you take on they he uses one character uh and their failure as a as a superpowered human to then contextualize and inform all of the time that you are then about to spend with this other weaker person so you don't feel mm-hmm. empowered as much at all as raiden you so 
and you, and I think you blame yeah. him as well. That's where some of the hate comes from for Raiden, because then those negative feelings get put into a an actual on-screen yeah. entity. It's like this guy is well, yeah, and it makes you question like your role as a player as well, because it's like, well, actually, is my it's not how good I am at this or that as a player. It's what the designer gives me that will determine wholly. Yeah. yeah. So, so then that's like one of the yeah. ways, you know, he sort of holds the mirror up to you and says, what's your, what's your role in this? You're, you're kind of merely just a pawn of my desire and I'll make you, you might think that you're really clever or whatever for doing these things. It's like, no, you're not. As soon as I take that away from you, you can't do it. Like how clever mm. are you now? Yeah, and I think that's that's the thing that in a different, a slightly different form, but the end result was similar. I think that's something that Naughty Dog played with, or didn't play with. That's, that's condescending, but they implemented and uh, and executed on with the Last of Us Part Two by making you play as Abby because that was another person that people just did not want to play with. They just spent X amount of the game being built up to hate this person and to. <laughs> despise everything they stood for and then and then you are emancipated uh or rather mm. emasculated um you're emancipated from the role of of ellie and that kind of the pain and suffering that you've had with her but that emancipation lasts all of three seconds when you end up playing the person that's inflicted all of that pain and suffering on her and as uh, by extension on you as the player and that a great again that on-screen entity that kind of that that cipher becomes sort of a figure of of either well of strong emotion i mean hate perhaps in abby's case and distaste in raiden's case because he's just not well, he's like snake. not only just nothing, um, he's like the opposite of snake like his hair is the opposite color <laughs> he's like more feminine than the versus snakes like ultra ultra masculinity he's rubbish yeah. at everything ultra this is his first yeah. mission snake's been on loads yeah. of missions before you ever meet him yeah yeah, oh, he's, but, but Raiden's been oh, on yeah. lots of VR missions, remember? He's very keen to point that out. I've been on lots of training missions that are uh, indistinguishable from, mm. from actual field operation. And it's like, you know, I was like, well, that doesn't really wash, does it? doesn't work like that. Um, so, yes, there is, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, there's a lot of setup. But I think, again, to go back to that thing, I think that's what I mean about, like, the confidence level. And I'm wondering if I'll find a better way of putting that as we continue talking. But... Given that a lot of the opening section exists, at least narratively, to set up what's to come and the commentary that's to come later on, it is nonetheless a amazing, near flawless example of what a Metal Gear Solid sequel could be, and for some people perhaps should have been. It's just that they they implemented that as a as a way of doing something as a way of saying something else but still let you play that it wasn't it just wasn't like a it wasn't like tainted i don't think it wasn't you know it was it was what everybody wanted it to be and the demo was was just built on that hype it was one of those one of those situations of kind of a uh selling the dream there was like a misdirection going on because it's like there was no lies being told. It wasn't that you didn't get to do those things. You did get to play that section and you were Snake. And uh, But it's just that probably sooner than a lot of people yeah. would have liked, uh, that got taken away from you. And and I think the fact, I think that's an interesting point you make about like you're a superhero who is then shown to fail. 
And I think that sets up again a, a, a mix of feelings. There's a sort of a helplessness and a frustration and a, you know, it's it's unfinished. You want that opportunity at that point in any given game generally or in a in a film, a Hollywood blockbuster film particularly, that would then be the low point for the hero who would then build themselves back up and you would go on to avenge that feeling of failure. But you don't get to do that here. You It just gets taken away from you. It's like, no, you failed. So now go and play this other guy who's... Mm. the thing that you don't want and that's i think again like playing abby in last of us part two that that fosters this feeling of well insert emotion here like resentment or anger or frustration or helplessness and and but that's makes it all the more memorable for me and i do understand that a lot of people just didn't like that at all and i wouldn't say that that excuses some of the decisions that are made throughout the rest of the game but it as a thing that i remember 20 years on i think that's it's um you know, that's it stands on its own as a as a very interesting and effective way of building you up to feel one thing and then switching switching it mm. over and making you feel something else. Yeah, because that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, I, I totally agree. And there's, uh, I think, to on that thing about you know how how it hints how the opening hints at, at, at what's to come in the rest of the game. Mm. I think the whole idea around it playing into players expectations are uh, mm-hmm. that 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 sequence plays in the tank sequence plays into players expectations and then it moves on to something else is in and of itself part of the whole message of what the game ends up ends up mm. being like he's he's kojima's giving you giving players this thing that they expect and that they want and that, and that they've been sold through the the trailers and the marketing and the yeah. demo and whatever and the, and the and the um and the demo that was released is is that and then and then you get something else which kind of hints at the whole information era criticism or no it doesn't hint at it it sort of embodies the whole information era criticism that your that the game is is about ultimately in that like you think you're getting one thing and you think like oh here you go like we're just gonna do whatever whatever gets the most likes or whatever on social media is what we're gonna give Mm. you and Mm -hmm. the whole Mm -hmm. idea and the whole reason for social media to exist itself is to just propagate more social media so it's so it's just just, more stuff yeah so it's like oh well metal gear solid one was a, a, a thing a one you know stuff number one and that was successful and got loads of likes. So now we're just going to give you stuff number two, which is like the same kind of thing, but like a bit better. And then he goes yeah. on to say, yeah. well, actually, no, I'm going to pull the rug out of un- from under you here and sort of show you the underbelly of that whole system that's happening yeah. um, here. Um, <clears throat> I- and you, But you do see it. We've seen other franchises that do go down that route of wishful fulfillment, oh, yeah. effectively, that go down that route of design by social media likes effectively that go and they end up in a place where they've painted themselves yeah, well, into a corner early access generally and typically because early access give, gives the design right away yep. to the audience yep. um, and takes a lot of the depending on what sort of early access they're under or that they they adhere to what their goal of early mm. access is but if, if someone's early access is i want to see what works and what doesn't work and what people like well then the who's the designer test, yeah. at the yeah. end of the day because it doesn't sound like you yeah. are you're asking people yeah. what the design should be um yeah 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 well so okay so then there's some i mean to to talk more specifically about i think what the tanker level or the tanker section um gets very right and why it feels so 
because it's not like you know slightly concerned perhaps that we haven't talked enough yet about like all the things it does get right and the way that it is genuinely only, a genuinely only 25 minutes in it's haven't not spoken like about us. the game <laughs> <laughs> the fact that it's uh it is genuinely incredibly well done it isn't just more of the same it isn't just oh like it's wish fulfillment in the most pandering condescending way like there's a lot of there's a lot of worthwhile iterations that have happened and it plays with a lot more factors and i I feel like it builds on the original metal gear in a lot of important ways with things like like light and shadow and and the fact that you can take out lights to you know bathe the place in in darkness so that you're not seen the fact that you can then see around corners effectively in those tight corridors that you were talking about those kind of horror game corridors of like resident evil uh you can see effectively round corners because you can see a shadow standing there and you know you know to then go you know you're going to have to deal with that guard like you said you can't go around them there's no room to go around but you're given a heads up this is what's coming and there's there's a a boss fight as well and there's some that plays with those ideas so it's it's not just that it was the same thing repackaged with you know pretty graphics and then like well here's what you want and then here's what i'm going to give you later on there was some real genuine like wow moments in that everything's a lot more interactive you can you can shoot you know the bags of flour to create clouds and you can break bottles and you can do that there's that's that there's a lot of yeah little little minutiae of gameplay that are yeah there's there's, um you can shoot the watermelons in the storage bit and then the guy notices Mm. it and then you can Mm -hmm. use that as a distraction to take him out which you don't need to do because it's perfectly easy to take him out anyway without without creating that distraction but yeah, you're right. It creates that level of yeah. interactivity that was yeah, yeah. What's, what's possible, possible is, 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 is yeah, grown. far expanded and like heightened and expanded um, massively in com- in in comparison to the first game. And it is easy to overlook some of, or not overlook, but almost going back to what you said before that you, you know what you consider to be Metal Gear Solid staples from mm. Metal Gear Solid One actually were introduced in in uh, metal gear solid 2 so there's loads of like you know hiding bodies in lockers you couldn't do that mm-hmm. shooting the mm-hmm. glass Absolutely. out and using yeah. the steam rather than having them just well, yeah, disappear and, and that i changed mean that, the game know, that in, drastically in is amazing because the fact that they didn't disappear means you had to think about hiding them or because you know people would see them and react or you could use that to your advantage you can have people have the others see them and use them yeah. as a as bait basically to try to set up a new to take them out in a, as, you know, as a trap you know so mm. so yeah it, it was it's sort of um well what you call like emergent gameplay nowadays like there were there were many mm. more interactions that you could do that then sort of exponentially led to many more interactions that the game could just like spin off of because guards were had more com- complicated behaviors and stuff so you weren't uh much more so than in the first game it was less predictable as what was as to what was going well maybe not less predictable but more more things could happen i mean you could still predict them you can still predict that the guard is going to see the guy knocked out on the floor and react in a certain way but there were more you know you just had so many more options as to how to navigate past guards or kill them or do you think do you you remember that i mean i don't know if you remember from the original but when you went back to play it more recently perhaps do you feel like that worked um 
Because they were all of those things were there, but a lot of them were optional. So yes, you could create these distractions by interacting with individual items in the environment. But that wasn't, you know, that wasn't how the original worked. That, the original, I feel like you had a much slimmer tool set and you had to use it in, in a, a very sort of specific few ways. Whereas the sequel gave you all of these extra things that you could yeah. do, <laughs> no. but you didn't have to. And do you like, is there any sort of, um, uh, not imbalance, but like, is that, is that the, is that a useful or sort of, you know, is that a good thing for a sequel to, and in this case specifically Metal Gear, once you know how to play Metal Gear 1, you think, oh, I know exactly what this is going into it. And then there's all this other stuff. Is that a kind of a, a useful place for a lot of the design improvements to be kind of funneled down? when a lot of people may not approach I think it like so. that. you know is it is it made to sort of be replayed a million times for you to then find uh, those bits out maybe I, like- I think this depends on yeah i think you're right and it depends on what sort of experience level you have coming into the game so you know in this case did, did you play metal gear solid one or not um because i having played metal gear one fairly recently well twice fairly recently and then coming into this i wasn't using a lot of the extra features the extra interactions Mm -hmm. that were added in in metal gear 2 um to my advantage at all really i was still kind of acting like snake in metal gear 1 um Mm. apart from putting guards in lockers because the fact that they don't disappear means that you can't act in the same way as in metal gear storage 1 because you do have to do something about that so you're kind of why not don't have to but if you don't want to create a ruckus you do kind of have to but, but yeah think- but it's like here's a solution to a problem here's a here's a solution but here's the problem that we've introduced that it fixes so that's like you are more that, forced yeah, into that, that particular bit aren't you more so yeah than, like, so the distractions, distractions or you like using uh <clears throat> you know messing with their radios or whatever like i don't those all, mm. all those things are in there i i think it's important to also think that to also remember i guess that when the time at the time of this release there would have been a lot of players who didn't play metal gear solid one that that was playing that that bought Mm -hmm. this game and played it so i wonder if the experience was different for them because they wouldn't have had the baggage i suppose of playing metal gear one and having an expectation of how snake operates and how you play Mm -hmm. a snake so i wonder if for them they those players would have picked up more or, or would have just been more kind of open-minded about yeah open to about what is possible yeah. here and yeah. what because the game tells you a lot of things but it tells you things in like more subtle ways than i think metal gear is often given credit for mm. like it like it will to know about the shadows the camera just like sort of takes control for a moment and just like shows you the shadow otacon doesn't come on the thing and say yeah. look at that shadow yeah. snake um although it does yeah, for some yeah. other things like when you have to like crawl under the plastic explosive sort of um detonator the, mm-hmm. the laser detonator thing he does tell you to basically do that um on otacon as well i think um the pacing is very interesting in the tanker sequence because they kind of just let you get on with it which again is kind of odd for metal gear solid and maybe goes back to what you were saying before that this is like the sort of the quintessential metal gear solid area even mm. if some of the things that we're talking about aren't actually really that common in Metal Gear Solid, but it just seems like they are. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. the feeling is that they are, but actually they're not. Like, you know, Metal Gear is famous for being interrupted every 
five minutes and in the raiden sequence certainly towards the start of it you're interrupted like every one minute um but in the tanker yeah. sequence you've got the long opening you've got like five minute cutscene or whatever and then Otacon just bangs on for like 10 minutes on the uh on the codec <laughs> and then you're really just left to play when Otacon does come on he's only four five six lines like a minute or less of um of dialogue and then you're back in and that doesn't happen that frequently and then at the end of course there's a long long cutscene mm. as well um there is a yeah no and I, yes absolutely and i but i and like i wonder again we've talked about this I've, i know that i've mentioned this many times with kojima and the way that he kind of invites you to to think of stuff that may or may not be there or have been intended or anything else but listening to you talk about that that is an interesting thing because i feel like that's the way that you might or that one might set up an experiment or an, a training exercise which it you know given what happens later uh i won't go into too many spoilers but there's some element of that um and there's this is very much like a okay we're going to introduce you to the basics we're going to give you this big this big kind of intro and then we are going to let you get on with it and we're going to observe your performance we're going to observe what you do that is kind of how i, I believe you would set up an experiment you wouldn't be interjecting every five seconds to say oh now you can do this and now you can do this it's very much like a this is effectively a training exercise so you need to think on your feet and learn how yeah. to do this stuff yourself mm-hmm. and then when you go into the into the game proper uh, you know narratively then you are inter- you are interrupted far more you are then it's like oh now you're in the real world like we let you get on with it in this kind of controlled sequence of events and this these um you know, we we set the conditions of the test, and then we let you let see how it play out. But when you're in the real world as Raiden, uh, we are now going to interrupt every five seconds and talk to you. A yeah, lot more. well, I think um, that's yeah, I think that's right, and I think that I, I don't know how else they would have really shown off the how. Like to go back to that emergent gameplay, like how all of the different elements of the game can work together if you're constantly being interrupted, and all of those elements are being like you know funneled, like sort of segmented into their own little sequences they have to give you the time to just like kind of wander around and do whatever you want sort of whatever Mm. you want i mean the sequence is still quite linear but in how you go around how you how you uh sort of navigate the obstacles that they they throw up against you are kind of up to you Mm. and i think the teaching bit the the training exercise bit like the olga boss fight she's teaching you how to use she that's that's a that is a she that's a very clever tutorial in that the boss is doing the things that you should be doing to mm-hmm. beat her like so she's using the tarpaulin as as a means to hide and you can shoot yeah. through it she turns the light on to blind you and you can shoot the light out in order to see comfortably again and shoot her like i think that's a really clever yeah like sort of training sequence in order to teach you what yeah. to do by doing the things against you that you should be doing it is yes and that and i think i I would say certainly the light thing i remember in the originally when i played it shooting out the light that's more of sort of an aggressive it's right in your face you can't really see what you're doing unless you shoot it out the tarpaulin thing though i think it was only recently that i understood or realized that as well as shooting through it, you can shoot the the ropes, the sort of the remaining mm. ropes to make. Yeah, and I don't think I knew that at the time. I don't, I don't feel like at the time I did that. I think I just it, saw it as an obstacle, 
and like he was going to give her some partial cover um and understood you could shoot through it but not that you could completely get rid of it and so that was like there's a just a little sort of smidgen of a thing that going back and playing it so okay there's there's still you know and i imagine there's a million different little things that i could learn by playing it through from start to finish again um yeah and uh, so yes it is a it doesn't ram it down your throat yeah oscon's not coming on the on the codec to say you can shoot the watermelons and you can shoot the tarpaulin and all of that stuff. Uh, you are left to get on with it. And I think it's it's kind of thing as a standalone intro means that you can play it over and over again. And I mean, I did. I'm sure many people did. Uh, and you, I guess you can pick those things up and, and mm. kind of learn them through through play rather than being yeah. led by the hand through that yeah. sequence. I mean, we're, we're pretty much out of time now. But the uh, also, if you're watching on YouTube, you will see me shoot the tarpaulin away, by the way um but um <laughs> maybe you have to maybe i'm misremembering that i don't know maybe it's just when you shoot it or, it just does get shot i just i felt like that was a new I thing i learned recently sure i have to go back and play it again and see if it or or if she just or if she does it or if you have an option, i can't remember yeah um yeah maybe just on the thing about the way. hinting of like what's to come which sort of um meant to reply to but didn't but the so you know, there's that more of that criticism of the information era that it kind of hints at and it foreshadows to, to come. So when playing it through this time and thinking about that, when Snake, when you take photos of Metal Gear Ray, and you upload them to computer and Otacon then comments on them, I think that can be mm. seen as a mm. a very yep. clever and kind of foreshadowing of the way that the world went, really of you like yeah you and otacon says you're a really good photographer and then the little icon of him literally gives the thumbs up uh the little sort of um uh sort of chibi animation of him gives a little little thumbs up and it's like and it's a weird moment because like here's this crack special agent like the most badass person on the planet and you're gone in to take some photos and you've got a guy on your other end being like, wow, you're a really good photographer. I can't believe it. Like, well, thumbs up. Well done. And it turns Snake into yeah. something like of an infant in, in the moment. And then in turn, well, what does that say about the player? That you're just, you're just this person following orders and doing, going through the motions that someone else has wholly defined for you. And here's this, and here's this sort of, this cartoon character telling you that you're so good and you're so clever and you're so yeah. amazing. Like surely that is Kojima just like holding up the mirror and taking the piss out of the idea that like, you know, these games are so complex and then the players are clever for solving them and whatever. But actually like, you know, is it, is it really that special that you've just gone through the motions and you've just taken these photos of this thing that was always going to happen but, anyway? Yeah. But I, but I think that also that you're not immune to that little rush of feeling good because somebody has approved of what you've done. As much as you are playing this superhero character and who's, you know, kind of nerdy handler uh, on the other end of the codec is like, oh, that's a really good photo. You're mm. like, oh, you know, thanks. I did a good job, which is something that you'd go on to explore in far more detail in Death Stranding, as we've talked mm. about at length in another episode. Um, but yes, the, and that... As a, I think as a final thing for me, it ties very directly into that photo taking. That, the whole, it's kind of a, a, a flashpoint of, of, of assessment and of, of how those themes are tied into 
there's a moment where Otacon is explaining to you how to use the camera and how to upload the photos. Yeah, and like you've gone this, into the most important that I mission touched of on. your life with, with the most important piece of equipment. Yeah. You've got no idea how it works. <laughs> By the way, here's how that works. And so in the first game, we've talked about how like they discuss how key cards work and it uses your body's magnetic field and it's transmitted through your body salts and all of this. And that's delivered with a straight face and received by Snake with a straight face in Metal Gear Solid 1. In Metal Gear Solid 2, there's a similar moment where Otacon starts to explain how you can't use your um, you can't use the codec to transmit these photos because somebody's monitoring the frequency. So you need to use this. You need to, take, go, to go to a workstation you need to upload them and you need and he starts talking about all these different the reasons for this the in-game narrative reasons why that's the case and snake says something to the effect of right okay i've got it so i stand in front of the workstation and push the action button okay and that is like a brilliant like distillation of what do give it to me in a tweet effectively give it to me in a bite-sized piece of information that you're going to give me all this stuff coming in and i'm going to filter that as both snake on behalf of the player saying yeah but what do i actually need to do oh, okay i just stand in front of this and i press the action button fine that's all i need and i think i feel like that is a a nice uh kind of summation of the commentary that then follows it later in the game of like the way that people would just distill distill what they're told they want they want the actionable piece of information not the they don't care about the reasons it's like just give me tell me what i need to do and i'll do it which fits everything else that happens yeah, throughout the rest fits of the game. Just like what video games are in for a large part of most most video games, yeah. certainly like sort of more mainstream ones anyway. But you find out in that boss fight, right, that she not only is, is Olga somebody's daughter, but she's also pregnant. And then you proceed to <laughs> Well, you, you take her or, down, well, yeah. She, she down, gets tranked. Yeah. Um to all intents and purposes, you you know, you are reducing her health yeah. bar to kill her, but yeah, yeah, I mean I know it doesn't quite work out. Um, that, but yeah. You're doing yes. what you're told. Uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, we're going to do what we tell ourselves to do all the time and keep this episode to a reasonable <laughs> length. So uh, that's all we've got time for. Go back and listen to the other two Metal Gear Solid episodes, both of them focused on Metal Gear Solid 1, if you haven't already. Otherwise, if you listen to all three, then come and talk to us. Tell us what you think about them on social media. We are at Indie by Design across all social media platforms. And if you go to our Twitter then you'll find a link to our Discord where you can get involved in the conversation there. And also visit IndieByDesign.net where, as ever, you can find links to buy the books that we've made. Uh, Otherwise, thank you for listening and we'll see you again next week. Bye.